एवरीवन वेलकम टू टेक्नोलॉजी लुक्स एलजीटीएम दिस इज मी शशांक एंड विद माय कोहोस्ट प्रीत एंड अमोल लॉट ऑफ थिंग्स हैपन इन लास्ट फ्यू डेज एंड वी आर ट्राइंग टू कवर फ्यू ऑफ द थिंग्स व्हिच वी थिंक इज वेरी वेरी इंटरेस्टिंग फॉर आस एंड आई थिंक इट वुड बी वेरी इंटरेस्टिंग फॉर यू गाइज ऑल्सो सो ओवर टू यू अमोल व्हाट डू थिंक लाइक वी शुड कवर फर्स्ट I think it's, it was a very exciting day today. Um, Facebook launched um, their new VR headset, and then also they announced few of the AR initiatives. Um, I will go over a few of them one by one. So let's talk about the most interesting one. Um, so some history: few months back, um, Facebook announced that they are going to combine the AR, VR, and their brain interface initiative into a common lab called Reality Lab. And the first product coming out of that. is the aria ar glasses and as part of that um, they are going to basically give the ar glasses to their 100 employees and then um, and also few contractors right now the goal is only to um, gather the data and then improve the glasses because what they have learned from the previous companies like google glasses or the snapchat spectacles is that if they do not handle the privacy properly then there is a lot of backlash right and that's why they want to actually learn from those experience give it to the employees early and then at least try it for one year and then after one year or one and a half years they want to launch it probably for the common people so facebook has kind of been notorious right with uh, poly, uh, with privacy i mean they've always been in the news so yeah, yeah. Yeah. yes uh, facebook has been particularly very very notorious in the privacy laws so i think it's that they have been extra cautious Uh, uh, I have a question. Uh, I'm like, uh, why did they announce it actually? Like, if it's not going to be for the general public, what was it? Uh, like, I have not followed that news actually. If I I know that you are very interested in always AR and VR stuff. You have done a lot of stuff in your uh, past history. Uh, so, any reason like they launched it today? Like, uh, why? Uh, if they if I cannot get it within a few months or weeks, then what's the point actually? I think um, the way industry is shaping up, and the, especially the big players are moving the pieces, it becomes a very obvious choice for them to make an announcement. Uh, for example, Apple is working on their AR glasses. It is very well known. They file a lot of patents. They seem to be in a very advanced stage right now to mm-hmm. launch any time. Um, in mm-hmm. fact, you know many people were expect, speculating that they will launch their AR glasses in, in the September 15th uh, announcement. So that's one reason. other thing is that in general facebook has been not been very successful in the um, hardware sector yeah, right they have been very successful yeah. in the social network and they want to actually leapfrog with that and then make an announcement and also attract as many talent as possible right as they are working on this one oh i see what they have done probably they took a uh, leaf out of uh, elon musk book like they when he announced neuralink that's another topic we can talk, discuss later on uh but this was probably more towards engineers and developers or they have some like as a developer can i actually take advantage of this announcement or i still have to wait you still have to wait just for i i think it was mostly for pr as amol said because if 15th was uh, apple's big day and they didn't come out with it then facebook just had to be the first ones saying that hey guys we are coming out with something really special okay. and but <laughs> personally i like uh, mark zuckerberg i have been following his updates also a few weeks back also he posted uh, that he's been huge on ar vr and he, he's trying to shape the entire company and probably i shared it with you also shishank that a small snippet of uh, his post on facebook where he said 
he's going to advocate AR, VR, and AR, VR is the future for Facebook. Yeah. I think they forward. did something. Uh, Amol was saying, saying something about that, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think um, the Facebook has been actually uh, big on the AR, VR from the last four, five years, and they are the biggest player at least right now. And their Oculus Quest, the new headset, is actually very, very impressive in that, right? And it's much better than many of the other headsets right now. One thing I wanted to talk about basically the AR uh, glasses is that their initial prototype looks very interesting. For example, if they have the glasses like this, this is not the uh, normal AR glasses, but their prototype looks like they have a lot of um, uh, the machinery over here and the sides, and they have two cameras on the both the sides of the glasses. Um, ultimately, they want to actually do the eye tracking and the eye tracking could be possible Hey, Shashank with the spectacles. <laughs> you mean something the, like this? Yeah, Shashank is a spectacle right now. <laughs> yes, the cameras are exactly almost similar place. In the, <laughs> okay, is uh, it very similar to the Google on the side? So, I mean, uh, didn't Snapchat already did it? Snapchat, Google Glasses, right? Both of them did it? Yes, they did it, but basically um, the projection on the glasses is missing, first of all. So, if I want to see the live map, if I'm walking on the street and then I cannot see that. Second thing is the eye tracking. If I'm looking at a grocery, I want to understand more about that particular stuff than yeah. looking at basically my eyes with the machine learning that where exactly, what is my is field of view, I can yeah. actually figure it out, right? So those are actually very good things that they are trying to do. And it, if that works out, it's going to be a game changer in the industry of the AR. So Amul, uh, since you founded VR Commerce in 2016, what were what are you thinking now like it was that then you moved on to other things also right uh, how would have you felt if you continued working in this space like more actively and oh yeah <laughs> talk about some devices and sets you had and because you have uh, i remember you were showing off quite a few devices to me compared to what uh, they announced just now oculus quest 2 uh, and devices you had like where where do you think the industry has moved in these many years yeah, that's a very good question. I think, and, uh, and I would like to add another question on top of that. Uh, Let him answer one. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's very, very much related to that. Like, why there it's still not a mass adoption, or like, what what is stopping the VR and AR kind of stuff uh, yet? Uh, like, it's still not mainstream yet, except some yeah. AR users. Yeah. So quite a few questions you have asked, and I'll cover why AR has not picked up so far, why VR has not picked up so far, and then why I stopped working on the VR commerce at that time. So main reason that I stopped working on the AR or VR commerce that time was because that time uh, the HoloLens was there in the AR, and it was very heavy. I could not wear it more than two minutes because I, it used to start paining in my nose. If basically those things are actually converted into this smart glasses, I would love to work on it again possibly. Right? because then the chances of mass adoption becomes huge. That's for the AR. For the VR, what happened is the price point for the headsets were very big. All my VR headsets, like HTC Vive and Snow, uh, Sony PlayStation VR, um, they were actually north of $1,000. Wow. Facebook launched a new VR headset, which is Oculus Quest 2, and the price they have decreased to $299. Yeah. How much was Oculus when Oculus was not taken over by Facebook? They were an independent company. I think they were still north of 1000 or something, right? Or Pretty expensive. It was pretty expensive. Yeah. I think they were, they did not launch a consumer product. They were still in the development <laughs> and, and I think it was grabbed, grabbed by basically uh, Facebook. 
think I, uh, we, we can check on that, but I think there were some uh, availability there, but you know better than me, I guess. Yeah, so, um, but whatever came as a first product uh, from the Facebook was also expensive, right? But yeah. now the prices are going down. The, um, the technology has improved so much. The quality of actually pixels inside and the frame rate in the headsets has improved so much. So there's a chance of actually some adoption again. One of the reasons that it is still not picked up by the masses is that um, the dizziness that you feel after two or three minutes of wearing it, because your brain is not able to comprehend what is reality and what is basically uh, the just technology and the frames when you are inside and immersed inside the VR, right? Yeah. So um, I think the refresh rates also matters a lot in that, right? Like uh, the reality, like there's no refresh rate and in the screen you have to have some kind of refresh rate. Exactly, right? So refresh rate is also one thing and those have improved, right? With yeah. The new technology and the new chips that are coming with, uh, with the GPU, right? Um, the other thing is um, the killer app in the VR space. If you, are, if you ask me, which one is the killer app? I don't have an answer right now. There are a few of the very interesting apps like Earth VR is one of them, but anything that has gone viral where everyone is ready to try, um, that app has not come out yet. And the other like thing- when, I, Amol, when you say uh, app, is, is it mostly just games always? Like, is it always virtual reality? Is always uh, people tend to start with games? That is, seems to be its niche um, adoption so far, right? But not, not even a mass adoption in that games. So there's a small set of users or the gamers who are using it for the games. Yeah, I think the, the game is like when I want to play a game, is I want to play for half an hour or an hour or something. That's what the, like when people are doing Xbox or PlayStation, uh, with that headset that as I'm always saying, like if you put it for five minutes, you start feeling dizzy. I, uh, who but what, I, what is the experience that you, if you, um, well, you have been working with uh, VR for quite some time, right? Like what is, what are you looking for when you uh, try out uh, AR app or oh, sorry, VR app? I need two things. First of all, I should be able to wear that for four hours without feeling dizzy, right? Not the headset, like in an app itself. Like what experience are you looking for? What experience are we talking about? Great question, right? So um, VR is uh, always- I, more I can more think of a lot of things, but uh, probably- <laughs> Let's talk offline. <laughs> so um, one of the obvious one is actually the teleportation. That means Right now, I would love to travel with the COVID situation. I'm not able to travel. But if I want to explore, let's say, South Africa, I wanted to actually travel to South Africa this particular summer. I'm not able to do that. I want experience of actually doing the safari or at least in the VR and being immersed in that space and then the animals around me. Same case with so many people are not able to travel to so many interesting places. And VR was always the promising thing that it will solve the problem of the travel. And it is not able to do that. With Google Earth, it's a, one of the very promising apps in the um, VR and people use that. But still yeah. the experience is not 100% right there, right? It is actually almost close to 60% there to be. Yeah. You know, there was uh, there's one app that solved this problem about five years ago. Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> you can travel anywhere, wherever you want. <laughs> That's a good one, uh, Preet. Uh, so yeah, I mean, this is a good a good event by Facebook. I think it's still a small step towards what the AR and VR would look like in future. So good that 
their companies they have uh, multi billion dollar companies are actually behind those and uh, hopefully in next few years we might see real good adoption and real good applications about ar and vr on that event like totally. uh, as you mentioned preet uh, apple did the uh, there was some talk about apple like apple did their own event uh, yesterday they did they did i mean 15 september it was for me i had it bookmarked in my calendar i really wanted to, i watched it also and it was honestly guys it was a uh, super underwhelming i mean <laughs> i was kind of excited i was actually looking forward to buying the new apple watch uh, and i was waiting uh, because i was so tempted to buy series 5 but i thought a lot of good updates are going to come in and apple is kind of notorious where it doesn't really give out what they're going to be showcasing so i thought there will be a ton of good uh, interesting features but i think there's only one feature that it's worth talking about is uh, the ability to start monitoring your o2 levels like your blood oxygen levels yeah. uh, through your apple watch so i mean especially during these times uh, during this pandemic if you're uh, symptomatic it can really be helpful but for me i don't know really what am i going to do with a series 65 uh, series 6 watch uh, with absolutely no difference you know what they are uh, going to do in uh, series 7 Uh, oh, an idea for them, <laughs> blood alcohol level. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure. Um, but who's going to monitor it? Am I going to drink and monitor it myself? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, can you drive or not? <laughs> <laughs> Are you? Yeah, you can drive now. Ah, <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah. I think on that they would basically, if the um, glucose level is monitored in the blood, right? That could yeah. be a very, very interesting feature. A lot of people need oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pain to actually prick yourself. um but that's a one feature that apple, <laughs> apple is good at picking your wallet <laughs> oh yeah i mean uh, apple does a great job with that i mean with every release uh, it makes shows that it, uh, it creates a big dent yeah. and even if you are not a apple fanboy or a fan girl you still end up spending a lot of money yeah a lot of people actually sell their kidney to buy a new iphone so yeah <laughs> so i mean uh, there was uh, i mean uh, keeping uh, our conversations in line with the the apple event i mean yeah. shashank so i know that you have a tesla yeah. uh, and you have this uh, uh, car key right automated car key so it it could be useful for you i mean where uh, there's a new chip called u1 chip that uh, they introduced with the series 6 watch that you can control uh, your car with So Tesla so already had something like that, like from the I can unlock my car uh, from my app, yeah. and uh, and I remember one of my friend uh, he made a watch app to unlock Tesla. Uh, but okay, like what part, they have yeah. actually done, probably they might have done is like other cars they've been enabled other cars can actually now be open through an app or through your watch. Oh, so that was only for Tesla. Yeah, that was only for that. The Tesla app can actually right. remotely unlock stuff, uh, and then they didn't have the watch app. Surprisingly, the Tesla should have done that. But uh, yeah. one of my friend actually made an app for that. Wait, did they announce basically other car makers uh, adopting that um, their chip technology for unlocking their cars? Did they announce any other car maker? The only uh, I th- I I only know Tesla. I mean, there could be I'm sure because other cars also adopting the same model mm-hmm. where. Like the key, uh, the car key—that's what they call it. The, new, the, the that's the term for it. Oh, so uh, maybe it's like a maybe I'm not getting it. Maybe it's like a, you you don't even need to carry your keys then. Maybe. Yeah, you don't you need to. Drive. You can just use your watch. Oh, so now in Tesla, I still have to carry my key. I can unlock yeah. from the watch or app. 
but you still have to have the key. So maybe what you're saying is like, key becomes obsolete. You just walk into a car and yep. it, it works as a remote key actually. Like because much. you're not putting key anywhere. It's, it's there in the pocket and the car works. Yeah, you can use your uh, watch to unlock your car yeah, and pretty much a job. Uh, so it would be useful. I mean, for uh, like car owners. There's actually this experience of uh, not taking out anything from your pocket and then yeah. just open the door is actually magical. You have to actually use that once to see that's that. Like, that's very, very, very obvious of Apple Pay kind of stuff. Like you would just tap and go kind of down. You can yeah, drive yeah. your car, you can get into your car without actually, I mean, yeah, I mean, it takes two seconds to take your keys out, but... I mean, uh, what if you forget your keys uh, at home, but you still have your watch on, right? Because you're never going to remove your watch. That's true. That's true. That's true. But uh, speaking of uh, watches, so they did release a new segment of watches, like they always do. They released a Series SE kind of uh, uh, Apple Watch. Yeah. So, that's, that's uh, a, I mean, uh, it could be interesting. Uh, I mean, I don't really know whether that would be, uh, uh, what kind of adoption would that have? But it's uh, for those of you who are interested. It's uh, eighty bucks cheaper than eighty bucks more than uh, the uh, Series Three watch. Oh, eighty bucks um, more than Series Three. Yeah, because uh, right. but the good thing is Series Three, uh, the watch was just going to get obsolete like this year. Okay. Uh, but here you get three more extended years of uh, the same watch OS. Yeah. So one thing I'm curious about is that they always launch like even in the iPhone the SE versions, right? The cheaper yeah. versions, relatively, and. Um, what I've heard is that they usually target the the market switches like India or other places. Yeah. Probably they are targeting for that kind of market. Um, have you heard anything about, anyone heard anything about the mass adoption of those uh, cheaper phones from the Apple? Uh, because they do launch these things now even with the Apple Watch also. They have not seen that launching the SE version of the Apple Watch before. So this strategy might be working for the phones that's why they are trying i mean i think clearly it's working because they don't stop it they keep on producing that with every every new version of the phones yeah. they come out with the advantage with apple watch is that i don't see there's any other watch even close uh nope. like to apple watch what they have done and the the way they are actually like even though i think Preeti were not too excited about uh, add, uh, the upgrades but they are still miles and miles ahead of all the smartwatches out there. Oh, absolutely. So I mean, uh, there's no comparison. There's no competition, so there's no pressure on Apple to actually be expedite certain uh, features they might be in the labs and working. I think they've also they spoiled know, us. Because yeah. they've also spoiled us. They've, they've given us this huge divide between what is there in the market versus what Apple has. Now my expectations have just increased yeah. that at least on the every Apple year watch, we have to come up with something nice. One yeah. place where I think like Apple did a great job was Apple Watch. Like uh, every other, uh, when they release a new iOS feature or something or a new iPhone, if you look at internet, like what discussion happens in the US, people are excited and all over the world. They're like, oh, uh, uh, great catching up Apple. We had this feature four years back or five years back. All the Android yeah. people will just uh, trash Apple saying that, uh, welcome to the future. <laughs> But there's a prime difference though. I mean, yes, uh, Google has done that. A lot of Android phones have done that. There, were, uh, there have been Android uh, watches in the market since ages, like uh, probably five or six years ago, ahead of uh, Apple's time. But what about the, the quality of them? I mean, do you see that they are at par with what Apple produces? Because Apple has been always been known for that, right? Yes, it's on the pricier point for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, like I think that sometimes they do more gimmicky stuff. Apple does uh, make sure that it's uh, like ready from the prime time. But uh, the quality of phones, if you look at Samsung's, uh, uh, they are not bad actually. Like I've seen some of the Android phones, they are pretty pretty good. It's like people are really like mm -hmm. a lot of people, in, especially in America, they are biased uh, against Android. But if you look at uh, stuff, the only disadvantage that Android is a, it's a very fragmented world. Apple ecosystem together plays controlled. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, exactly. I mean, for you guys also, for me, I mean, with Mac and my phone and the it's it's a seamless ecosystem. I love that. it's a you know what? A black hole. It's a black hole. Get sucked into it. Apple hole. About five years ago, I was carrying both the Samsung and then iPhone for at least for a few years together, right? Because I had two phones <laughs> that time. And then my natural choice to actually pick up a phone and then make a call or use anyone was iPhone, right? And I tried very hard to actually use both consistently to see that. But <laughs> at that time, um, Samsung was nowhere close as seamless experience. But what I've seen in the last four or five years is that uh, the everything in the Samsung and Android has improved a lot. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. The experience has improved uh, considerably. So the divide has actually narrowed very, very well in experience. Yeah. I mean, we could definitely now. make this a uh, Android versus iOS uh, debate. But I, uh, but I just. <laughs> then I, we have to. We I, have to, I, I want to tell you guys about. Actually, yeah. I actually really want to tell you guys about a couple of things that I really am excited that came out of this. Uh, yeah, Apple. Yeah, yeah. Apple's underwhelming uh, release. Something good came out also. Uh, <laughs> so Apple actually recently also launched Apple Fitness Plus. So for for uh, uh, it's like a direct competition to Peloton, where uh, they have something. Uh, they have a nine nine ninety nine per month subscription, and or uh, seventy nine dollars per year. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is yeah. kind of interesting, where you have uh, uh, group classes, fitness classes. Uh, on the app and you uh, and your watch and also your uh, app your fitness app on your iphone gets connected to it so i think for all the people who are working out from their homes right now i think this could be a really good addition where uh, peloton is definitely on the pricier point apple yeah. finds a middle ground and comes up with uh, something like apple fitness plus yeah. and it also has committed that it's going to uh, start putting new fitness tutorials every week so I think this could be uh, and moving along with uh, oxygen levels with uh, what yeah, you suggested yeah, that probably yeah, in I the future. So Apple is making their way into this whole ecosystem. So basically uh, with Peloton, clearly it's a, they launched this thing, Fitness Plus, looking at the back, uh, success of Peloton, right? There's no question about it. Uh, yeah. Peloton has basically about close to 1 million um, users and then the approval rating is close to 97%. So Everyone is a big fan who are using yeah. Peloton. So do you think that Apple Fitness is going to be at power with Peloton um, with their current ecosystem? What so I'm going about? to uh, honestly confess, I mean, I ordered a Peloton. So I'm going to, <laughs> I'm, and I'm going to get Apple Fitness and I'm going to compare the two and I'm going to tell you <laughs> maybe in the next couple of <laughs> We can have a podcast on uh, Peloton actually for, uh, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, one thing I want to highlight about the Fitness Plus when you talked about it has nine nine ninety nine uh, per month. Yeah. Like one thing which has bothered me, and uh, um, we can discuss about this in uh, other yeah, yeah. Uh, other podcasts for sure, is uh, like Apple comes out 
and launches apps when they see there's a lot of demand about it. So they, they create the marketplace. They have different developers who are actually creating apps like that. And then Apple comes in. And the worst yeah, yeah. part about this whole stuff is Apple charges 30% tax on all those apps who are like Peloton has some kind of subscription fee there. You have to use Apple's uh, in-app payment. And there has been a lot, like we should actually definitely do one podcast on that. So, Jean, I, you know, you, uh, I don't know why we forgot this or why I particularly, but this was also a part of that uh, high, uh, highlight uh, as part of uh, Apple's event. Spotify again brought up that 30% uh, rule and said that this is uh, bad that uh, Apple is still doing that. So Spotify- yeah, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Actually. Like, they, you are competing in the market. You have undue advantage of that marketplace that you, you are not paying 30% to the other developers, right? You, your 30% is yours. And now you're charging all the people you, I'm going to compete in the marketplace I create and I will charge you 30% on uh, top of whatever it is. Yeah, definitely. I think we can discuss this in a different podcast, but then this is a fight going on between the Fortnite uh, yeah, yeah. company and this one. So this is a very interesting developing uh, story right now. And then uh, Apple has changed some rules in their app store also to adjust something, but um, definitely something that we can discuss in the yeah, future yeah. podcast. Cool. Uh... Yeah, I don't think there's, there are other things that Apple did, but I don't think they're worth mentioning. Honestly, it will be wasting our time talking about this. <laughs> so it was just a simple step actually that's fine uh, oh actually but uh, I think what we were having a discussion right before this was uh, because the one surprising thing was they did not give out any information about the new iPhone ah uh, yeah, yeah yes so, so usually uh, this is the time that they release the new iPhone right yeah there was a lot of news about uh, I think what happened with the COVID situation uh, the, they are running behind in the production of iPhones, and there's uh, there is some speculation that they would do another event uh, in October. Uh, it's a speculation, but uh, they might do. Yeah, I can Apple. probably uh, make an educated guess why the uh, assembly line is broken down right now. I mean, uh, it, it's just a guess. It's a random guess, but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it will definitely be a random guess. <laughs> Very random, actually. Uh, so yeah, I mean, like in October, most likely they might have another event because I can bet uh, okay. if they don't have a new iPhone in the holiday season, uh, that's that uh, they are gonna miss out. Like the shares are gonna drop like crazy. So they yeah, yeah. somehow managed to actually make sure that the holiday demand, holiday season demand dedicated to that because that's that's when they sell a lot of phones yeah makes sense so Fushan, today was another big event about the ipo of the snowflake right and that's yeah. a very interesting Ooh. company actually snowflake yeah it was yeah. Uh, snowflake ipo today i'm not i'm not sure anybody of our audience uh, they know snowflake some might know but majority might not know what snowflake is so it's it's a cloud data platform which ipo today and there was a really crazy mad rush in Wall Street to buy, get the stocks of uh, Snowflake. So Snowflake turned out to become a snowstorm today. <laughs> <laughs> bad joke. Uh, yeah, it, it was. Shashank, it was really bad. <laughs> Thank you, Preet, for that. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Getting back to uh, Snowflake, uh, they tried to raise uh, 3.4, uh, they raised 3.4, not right, they raised $3.4 billion 
So it was one of the largest IPO since, uh, I don't know the year, but it has been in a couple of decades, it has, this has been the largest IPO ever. A couple of decades. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They sold 28 million shares to raise $3.4 billion. The stock popped 111% on day one. I am that's the, not kidding. That's the closing? Yeah, I'm going that's to repeat. The, yeah. yeah, 111% gain on day one. So what was so special today that about this IPO that it popped so much? What is what is so special about the snowflake? First, uh, first IPO is in the pandemic, probably. I think that's no, also one of the things. A lot of <laughs> This pandemic actually has actually, if you look at it, the, the rate of IPOs happening in while this pandemic, especially on the tech companies, is crazy. It has never been seen before, kind of. Uh, the companies are lining up. Unity is doing it. There are like hundreds of companies that are lined up yeah, yeah. IPOs yeah. in the next few months. Uh, one a very, very interesting thing, actually. Uh, the sage of Omaha, Mr. Warren Buffet, uh, who uh, mm. never used to invest in technology companies, and he never used to participate in any of the IPOs, uh, any of the IPOs. That was his, interesting. Uh, that was his thing, like uh, he will never participate in an IPO. So they, he participated for the very first time in an IPO and he bought stocks of Snowflake. Do we know how much uh, did he buy and how much did he make? Because I'm sure that is public information by now. Yeah, yeah it is public information. Uh, he made only uh, $800 million. $800 million. Uh, that's it? Yeah. <laughs> so at the, at the high, high uh, of uh, Snowflake uh, stock price today, yeah. He, he could have made a billion dollar day on one day. Yeah, on day on, one. On that pop, <laughs> yeah, on the day one. So yeah. now I'm sure Warren Buffett would be thinking, uh, why didn't I participate in other IPOs before? <laughs> well, as oh, just to, to give what, everybody, uh, sorry, sorry, I'm all, go ahead. So as compared to basically what he made in Apple, close to 80 billion in their search, uh, <laughs> 800 million does look small, <laughs> but it's not. You have to see like one day, that's one day, day one. Yes, yes. He, practically, he invested uh, pre uh, like in the IPO, like he was one of those investors who do before the IPO goes for the public. Uh, so one day of trading, if you make hundred eight hundred million, that's that's crazy actually. That's uh, unheard of. That could be some kind of record also. Yeah, yeah. I think there yeah. there would be. Uh, I'm sure. So in terms of the platform of the Snowflake uh, and uh, Shant, you have worked in the other data companies also, right? Um, what do you think is why? So Raish Shashank is actually wearing a t-shirt that says I'm data driven. Those of you who are listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that you purchased some of the Snowflakes um, stocks. No, no, no. I, I, I think uh, I never participate in uh, IPO generally, uh, especially in this pop, if you see their IPO price uh, was, uh, initially they were targeting 75 to $85 as an IPO listing price. Then they see, saw the demand and they went up to 120. So 120 was the IPO price. But when the real market opens, they mark to market before it opens actually. So it never, it never opened at 120. It opened at 250 something. So who gained actually? Not the normal people actually who invested. The P investors, the uh, the lead the uh, bank, bank. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the bank. So there were three banks, four banks involved. Uh, they were the lead uh, banks in uh, this IPO: Goldman Sachs, yeah. uh, Morgan Stanley, J.P. Morgan, 
of course and yeah. uh, city group and out of that those are three companies where somebody here has worked in all three of those companies guilty <laughs> 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 they they easily make up to four five percent. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I don't know what the deal was. Since it was a very very large one of the largest IPO ever, uh, yeah. the percentage goes down based on that. They can really negotiate that percentage down because they are they were raising three point four billion dollar. Uh, yeah. So that's how it happens. But but, but uh, I, if I, these were the three underwriters, right? Four underwriters, and they probably also had. Uh, did they also play advisory during the IPO, or it was purely underwriting? I have no idea about that. I didn't research too much on that. Like, um, okay. So I think what I'm, what I'm confused about is that Snowflake is not that well-known company in the enterprise space and data. Yeah, they are known, but they are not Uber-lift, right? That is not yeah. known for everyone. Yeah, but it's not a consumer company. It's a business B two B, like hundred percent B two B company. Yeah, for not being that well known and the share popping so much, it is not not common, right? Yeah. So the, the last idea. private valuation round when they raised the money, uh, probably in hundreds of millions, uh, they raised probably four seventy nine million dollars or something last round. They call it Series G. Like so, they went to A B C D. They went up to G. Oh. They raised a lot of money, uh, <laughs> and. Uh, their internal valuation that time private valuation was 12 point something uh, billion dollars so less than 12.5 yeah, yeah. uh, billion dollars to be precise and uh, if you look at today it's valued at around, close to around like 70 billion dollars <laughs> and uh, when are we talking about do you know when the valuation was done was it this year early this year yeah uh, this year I, I have to check on that like uh, i think it was in uh, no not this year actually they are, they were already making decent money so i think it was 2018 2018 was the last private valuation yeah, yeah. okay but like from 12 to 70 billion dollar today is huge man like a uh, couple of years yeah five times Ishan, can you talk a little bit about what snowflake is all about like because i'm sure a lot of people as you said uh, probably yeah. don't even know what snowflake snowflake is and then yeah. also what their moat looks like, right? What is their uh, main thing that why enterprise is actually very big fan of the Snowflake, especially when yeah. all the cloud providers have their data products. Yeah, yeah, that's that, That's where like, uh, it's a kind of mind boggling that uh, they launched the first product in, uh, I think they launched the company in 2012. I, I was not even actually playing too much on data, big data side of things. Like I was barely, 2013 is the, Year when I started actually looking to Hadoop stuff, uh, and then uh, Spark, with you know, uh, you have also worked on yeah. Spark, uh, Apache Spark, and uh, but that was the yeah, much yeah. later. 2015 was when it started, probably. Yeah. And then uh, I was working for Publicis, I was doing a lot of stuff, uh, introduced Spark there, did a lot of stuff there. Uh, Snowflake was taking on the market that time. And they rode that wave of big data stuff, like where big data became big. Everyone was actually talking about, uh, everyone had data, a lot of data, but they didn't have any idea like how to actually analyze it and do uh, build those pipelines. So Snowflake focused on that and they built something which was cloud agnostic. So whether you are on AWS or Azure or Google Cloud, Snowflake made a product which is cloud agnostic and they make the data sharing very, very easy, like data lake, uh, a lot of plugins and a lot of stuff made for data science stuff. So, so I think like uh, in my personal opinion, it's more about build versus buy. You can actually build all those things. A lot of companies have higher 
Yeah. Like 40, 50 engineers to actually build data pipelines, data science team. If you combine everything, it would be 45, 40, 50, easily 40, 50 engineers actually. Somebody, 10 people oh, or a few people. Easily, in, like um, a good, uh, yeah. you need a good solid team. And I, I was on, in multiple banks, I was part of those teams. They were <laughs> trying to build exactly what Snowflake did. But even, yeah, yeah. We were also doing the same thing, actually. We were trying to standardize the data, like, okay, uh, in this company, this is the data entry team should actually feed off this data rather than this becomes the tool and copy and everything. But for large companies, I have seen uh, uh, there's a lot of inefficiencies and all in that. Multiple teams, different organizations, different, uh, different departments have their own way of doing things and there's no standardization. And uh, so much data fragmentation, even inside companies, like especially the large Fortune 500,000 oh, yeah, companies, they have yeah. so much data fragmentation. They have no idea what other team kind of data they are collecting and they have. And that's where the snowflake plays a really big role that, okay, we standardize the data. This is where uh, all the data lake and all those things will happen. And data sharing becomes very, very easy across platform. Do you think and, also one of the main things of their success story was because they were one of the main uh, public offerings of uh, some similar kind of a uh, product or ecosystem because every think, there was a private uh, there was inbuilt in-house uh, technologies that people think, were doing. Yeah, there were other there are other players also. Uh, uh, have I would not say very very similar offering, but uh, competing in the same space like Databricks, uh, Cloudera, yeah. uh, and there are other other works, yeah, there are a bunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. is huge. Yeah. There's another one which actually Vertica, uh, for example, uh, there are quite a few like data lake kind of uh, solution. Even Amazon has their own red Redshift and quite a few things like that. Yeah. Uh, but somehow Snowflake was able to actually capture the market and they are there. Like Amol was saying about something like there's this quite a few companies uh, they wanted to do something, but Snowflake demos are really well good. Yeah, so I can explain. So as part of the Google data engineering team and machine learning team, we were talking to the clients and we were talking about the BigQuery. And uh, many of these uh, enterprise users are actually using the Snowflake, especially in the Bay Area, right? And for them to actually switch from Snowflake, and even though when we give the demo of the, or gave the demo of the um, BigQuery, uh, the data warehouse solution of the Google, they were not completely sold, right? Um, so I think the, being cloud agnostic and also the ability to create the workflows so easily. Uh, that means once the data is uploaded by a data engineer, then that same data can be used in multiple workflows by the other developers. That's a killer application right there. Many of the other cloud providers are trying to do that and they, want, they claim that they have a parallel product to their data warehouse to create these workflows, but it is not as smooth as and as efficient as the Snowflake. So, I have a so guys, I have a question. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right, right. So my question is, yes, there is a problem that we clearly understood that. But do you guys actually think that that problem was this big that it is worth $70 billion and also that it uh, increased to 100% on the day that it IPO'd? That I do acknowledge that they did an amazing job. The, the stock popping is definitely, uh, I mean, we can debate about it. What the future looks like, you know, nobody knows. Stock popping is like always uh, uh, market driven. Like, you know, Warren Buffett's first time investing in IPO, a lot of people actually want to do that. So uh, that happens. So the, I don't know whether there's a correlation there with the technology and the platform. Like majority of the people who have bought the stock, if you ask them, they have no idea what it is actually. 
but they just yeah, want exactly that exactly because so i mean uh, you can reach to the potential where, like, you can look at the stock where like market is like totally uh, we don't nobody knows like what what the science behind that uh, pop is like if i was the founder of uh uh snowflake, snowflake yeah do you think i would be happy today let's take a guess do you think i would be happy today with the stock performance and everything maybe not uh because <laughs> you have to say yes and then i will say <laughs> oh, okay yeah yeah no absolutely no i mean as as a, i mean as a founder as a investors in the investors they will all of course be happy in that case right in general why would they be not happy because they are uh, stock that's the main reason they launched their ipo but yeah, the, yeah, yeah but i think why it popped i feel like it went through a tesla effect what is going on in the stock market right now right <laughs> <laughs> That's you see the you see the Tesla yeah, price. Is. It's unrealistic at this point of time. Same is the case with here. Um, it's it's unusual times with the COVID, and the people are hungry for the technology stocks. Is what I see overall. So I would say on the IPO side, if I was the founder, I would be totally very very unhappy today. Because I sold twenty eight million dollar twenty eight million shares to raise three point four billion dollar at the IPO price. I as a founder sell that. stock at the ipo price that was 120 the stock ended at the day today 253 dollars i would have sold only 14 million shares less than 14 million shares to raise the same kind of money if i would have known like okay there's so much pent up demand for my stock why would i have that is uh, so hard to know i mean yes i mean yes. Yes. i think that's that's no no no, no. i i, I hindsight yeah you have to look look at the, like the the companies i we both work for goldman sachs we know that uh but you hire these banks to do certain kind of due diligence and one of the part of the due diligence is okay you have to tell me the ipo price what is the right price for the market you have to because price is based on demand so yeah. if they that means they kind of failed on actually guessing the demand like how big it can go uh but shashank this brings me to the previous point that we just talking about yeah like that yes there is technology but is there demand for this company worth being 70 billion maybe because then you raised a good point because it was probably warren buffet buffet investing the first time because it was the first time uh, an ipo being there in pandemic yeah. so those factors could also have played well, no, a, a really, very big role in 111% pop is like on the day one is actually i as a founder like i I wish one day that happens to me, and you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then I would be happy. Be, I will be very happy to be pissed. <laughs> so basically, I think the if I am the founder in that case, um, I do get a lot of money, right? I can. I have a lot yeah, of on the other stocks. Yes, right, right. So you yeah. you cannot ignore that fact, especially when he's running against such a big cloud providers. Yeah. He needs a lot of fire power to actually fight against like, them for a longer time. Like uh, another, like I don't want to talk too much about bank stuff, but they actually kind of, I would say, screwed up. They always, I mean, but they benefited. <laughs> they always. <laughs> but they benefited. They were not on the. But they benefited end. a lot actually because yeah. if you look at the, all the founders and employees, they cannot sell the stock right now. Even yeah. if IPO'd, I if I was a part, an employee. of that company they have always have a lock in period they Six cannot take advantage leave, of yeah. it if the stock crashes they they are not going to take advantage of it only people who pre uh, participate in the pre ipo they already the stocks are allocated allocated in the market okay these are the investors who are actually buying it before the bell opens investors uh, the the sales reps the uh, yeah. the bankers but they they make so much money actually today yeah. and they they don't have lock in period 
They don't. They they probably they don't have. I don't know about the details of here. They might have. Usually, no. I mean, highly unlikely. Because that's where they negotiate on the rates. You go down on the IPO listing rates, but then you actually make sure that you make enough. There's enough pop that you can make a huge amount of money. But this was one of the biggest pop. Really, one of the biggest pop. So yeah, this was a very interesting discussion today. Like we covered. Yeah, this was uh, this was a lot of fun. Yeah. Facebook. A lot of diverse topics to discuss today. Yeah. 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 So I hope you guys all enjoyed this conversation. We will continue uh, our podcast. If you have ideas, do let us know. Uh, of course, uh, Preet, can you say the subscribe stuff? <laughs> uh, sure, guys. I mean, uh, do follow the hashtag #TechLGTM. And uh, I mean, if you have any suggestions, you can drop us a comment on YouTube. I think that's something that we would love to understand and see if you guys like. uh these podcast ideas are highly encouraged uh, yeah. and uh, uh we can ch- uh, we can uh, we, uh, we are probably going to get uh, a couple of guests in the next couple of podcasts so that should be really interesting so yeah. stay tuned guys yeah and so do share our podcast with your friends and family yeah, do, do that yeah. actually and uh, just to remind we are available now on like uh, on apple we are available on spotify uh anchor and there are a few more podcast stuff and of course we record this as a video and we put it on youtube also so you can actually uh go on our pages techltgm is taken by us uh that's if you can find everywhere we are everywhere so follow us yeah. and stay tuned we'll ha- we'll come back soon you guys bye bye thank you bye bye